Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 11, Hate is Just a Four-Letter Word. Mary, what happened this week? Dylan moved to a private room in the hospital, but Mama Iris isn't so happy about the room number. He needs a four. Valerie's been keeping a round-the-clock vigil while Dylan's been out of it, but he doesn't want to see her now that he's awake, no matter what Iris has to say about her healing aura. Jamie Young, the med student from last episode, is doing dream research with people who have had near-death experiences. Dylan flashes back to his dreams and then says he doesn't remember any of his dreams. Val shows up at the hospital. She hasn't been sleeping much because she's stressed. She says she really needs to talk to Dylan, but Dylan, according to Iris, feels too ashamed to see anyone. Val says there's nothing to be ashamed about. Things just get out of control sometimes. Iris sends her to Dylan's house to bring him some stuff, but first take your test at school. Val asks Iris for the keys to Dylan's house and then goes through Dylan's entire house, every cabinet and every drawer until she finds and flushes all of his drugs. She answers the door and it's thinning hair, high cheekbones. She tells him Dylan isn't around but invites him inside. Girl, why? Thinning hair, high cheekbones appears at Dylan's bedside in the hospital and tells him not to tell the cops where he got those drugs when they inevitably come to arrest him. Iris tells Dylan that dreams are the window to the soul, but he doesn't have to tell that not-doctor anything if he doesn't want to. Dylan thinks he needs something unconventional to get better. Iris tells him not to worry about the cost. She's going to be his mom about it. Which, like, she hasn't been before, so I guess I'm glad now? Yeah, there's even, like, a comment that, like, she says, like, like, don't worry about the money or something like that, and Dylan's like... Yeah, kind of like you didn't worry about all of my messages I left you. And she's just like, hey, even a free spirit sucks sometimes or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. This was a a big time to fail, Iris. (laughs) Right. But I kind of love that, yeah, he was like, I tried AA. It didn't work for me. I need to try something else to like his spiritual mom who's wearing crystals. I feel like she's just like, oh, I have 45 different healers that I will take you to. She literally perked up. Her eyes got so excited. I was like, girl, you should not have said this to Iris McKay because she will jump all over it and you'll start doing something. Like, I don't even know what the options are that are out there, but my guess is something like, at the very minimum, sage burning and, you know, like cleansing the house and then maybe even something along the lines of like hypnosis or something. Yeah, he'll go to, like, the mind gym and have, like, mm-hmm. a deep cleanse of his aura. Yep. I did find it very interesting that she kept saying that Valerie has a healing aura. Like, I feel like you can just tell how much Iris likes Valerie having just met her. And I was like, that's so interesting because she loved Brenda, hated Kelly, likes Valerie. I'm telling you, man, they had to bring in someone to replace Brenda. And Valerie is an, is, like... Um, extra strength Brenda, right? Like it's like Excedrin PM or something. Like, <laughs> like she's just the extra bit. But you could actually genuinely tell Valerie was being straight up with Iris, and I think that's probably also why. Because with everybody else, she's just been all over the place and kind of like manipulative or at least deceptive in some way. But with Iris, she's like legit, like. No, I really care about him. I want to see him. I I want to 
go to his house and like clean up things and like all that. I think it's really fascinating that Valerie only shows up in the Dylan storylines. Like she goes to school with the rest of the gang. Yeah. But we never see her hanging out with them. It's only with Dylan. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, because we don't even know like what her major is. We don't know what classes she's taking. We don't know what her activities are, if she has any. Um, She never overlaps with them. She's in theater. Oh, my God. (laughs) Could you imagine? I would love it. She'd be so good at it. (laughs) I don't know, though, because, like, when thinning hair, high cheekbones shows up, like, I mean, okay, so I think, you know, what's happening with Valerie, like, I feel like she's almost there, but she's a little too naive and, like, a little – I don't think desperate is the right word, but, like – she got the keys to his house. She's like, you know, obviously throwing everything around. And then this guy shows up and she's like skeptical of him first. And then mm-hmm. he just starts acting like he knows Dylan. And she's like, yeah, come into his house. That was the thing. It's like I always thought she had more street smarts than this because exactly. like she's the one smoking pot and hiding it from the Walshes. And she's the one that's like sneaking off to Dylan's and hiding it from the Walshes and, and all this kind of stuff. So maybe – Maybe there's a plan, you know, maybe, maybe she's got something up her sleeve and she knows like, oh yeah, you're not some old surf buddy. You don't look like you've ever surfed a day in your life. Like, I don't know. Maybe she has a plan, but maybe she is a little naive with maybe the drug stuff, like the hard drug stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Cause like, I thought it was really, honestly, it was really great that she was the one that went to his house and like tore it up being like, I know Mm -hmm. there's still drugs here. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of them. Like true you know iris was probably staying at the hospital with dylan to like be with dylan like Mm -hmm. but nobody else thought of this of like we need to go make sure there are no drugs to like bring him back to a clean place i also Uh, thought like she was gonna look for the gun as well oh yeah i wonder where that is now because like brandon technically took it but then came right back into the house right so either brandon has it or it's somewhere in dylan's house i on, I really hope that Brandon, like, once he made sure that Dylan was alive and, mm-hmm. like, immediately was like, okay, I have to go start, like, getting this intervention ready, that he also, like, found – you know how, like, you can go to a police station and, like, turn in guns? And I right. guess, like, technically it's, like, a no questions asked thing. Like, I kind of hope he did that. It it would be on brand, but also not on brand, you know? Yeah. But – Regardless, I hope the gun's gone. I hope the gun's gone too. Um, And then, yeah, I guess the only other thing I really want to talk about in this episode or in like the Dylan storyline is kind of how dumb the dealer is. Yeah. Like he shows up to Dylan's house where he meets Valerie who like may have some idea of like what kind of a person he is. And then he goes to the hospital to threaten Dylan where – Everyone that works at the hospital would have seen him come in. Iris has seen him, and he's just like, when you get arrested, and you know you will be, you don't know me. I'm like, well, now everyone knows you. Yeah, it's like you need everyone to forget you. Like, yeah. you have to sneak into these things or, or wait. <laughs> Leave a threatening note on the door. I don't know. Yeah. Send him an email. I don't know. <laughs> but he'll check when he gets access to dial-up internet. I would love if he like sent a postcard to the hospital and was just like to (laughs) Dylan McKay emergency room don't tell anyone I know you thinning hair high cheekbones (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> Sincerely, thinning hair, high cheekbones. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Oh, I'm pretty sure that when Dylan was in the private room, he was in the same set that they used when Andrea was in, like, mm. pre-labor. Yeah. I was like, oh, Andrea had her familiar. baby in this room. Yep. It looked familiar. And yeah, I think that's it with Dylan. I mean, he looks like ass. He's still in the hospital. Yep, he's recovering. Mom's there, so at least we got that going for us. Yeah. I'm I'm for Iris being around. I hope they can oh, repair their relationship. Yeah, same, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, we shall see because that was literally it. Dylan gets like five minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. So, Mary, what else happened? Ray fixed Donna's faucet, and also he's a Scorpio. Oof. And he's 25. And Donna, you introduced this man to your parents and didn't know his age. Anyway, he says he doesn't want a birthday party, but Donna's going to plan him a surprise party anyway because her horoscope said to accent the unorthodox or whatever. Um, basically, nobody can come to the party, even though Donna cooked. So Ray shows up, and it's just Donna, which is kind of what he would have preferred anyway. Donna brings Ray his present, a fancy classic Gibson. I didn't write the letters down, but it's a really pretty guitar. He's worried about how much it costs. Donna tells him he's worth it. Kelly introduces Donna and Steve to her photographer for her photo shoot, but there are protesters on the main quad for reasons we will discuss. Where Kelly's photo shoot was scheduled to take place. The shoot will be rescheduled off campus. Oh, and also they want to put Kelly on the cover now. Also, Kelly has to miss Ray's party. We already talked about that. It's fine. Um, sorry I wrote this so out of order. That's okay. That's good with me. Um, yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, I also did not write down what kind of Gibson it was, but I looked it up, and in today's dollars, it is a $3,000 guitar. Wow. That's a hunk of money that Donna definitely did not have herself. <laughs> right? Like, I just, it is so interesting to me to see when, like, people from such disparate socioeconomic levels come together and, yeah, like, Donna grew up rich in Beverly Hills. She just has a mm-hmm. credit card. I don't think she thought anything of a $3,000 guitar. And if I was Ray, I would have been like, I could have bought a car. Right. Like, I yeah. I fed myself for a long time. I could have put that in savings, like <laughs> literally anything other than go blow it on a guitar, which to be fair, he loves and can appreciate it for sure. It just doesn't jive with him because he does not have that kind of money. I just thought of, I think it was like two episodes ago where they had dinner with her parents and he was like, don't speak for me, Donna. And we were like, yeah, he sucks at music. <laughs> right. She just bought him this really great guitar. Like, oh, yeah, now you can take some lessons. <laughs> right. Now you can get better. Just kidding. Ray's fine. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think it's very interesting that, you know, Ray very specifically is like, oh, I didn't tell you it was my birthday because I don't want to do anything. And Donna's just like, well, that sucks for you. Yeah. Don't you know your birthday is not really about you? <laughs> right. And <laughs> – Claire was very interesting in the scene where, like, she was a little judged. She's like, oh, you're practically robbing the cradle, Ray. Mm-hmm. But then Donna says she wants to throw the party, and she's like, no, he just said he didn't want the- What? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like Claire decided to speak her mind this episode with not only like Ray's too old for you, Donna, which to be fair, he probably is. And also, hang on, Donna, (laughs) you need to be good to your so-called boyfriend here. Like he's clearly telling you he doesn't want a thing, but you want to give him that. So don't do that thing. And it's good that it ended up working out, but it doesn't really seem like she actually learned anything. I did really love like Ray is such a straight shooter. Like he showed up and Donna was so bummed about people not coming to his party. And he was like, I don't want a party. I don't even like Claire and David. Right. And which I was like, hold on. If my boyfriend said that about my friends, I'd probably be like, wait, this is a larger issue. (laughs) And I think that's a thing. You know, this whole episode, it's like showing all these big differences between Ray and Donna. Like, you know, not just her buying him a $3,000 guitar and him saying he doesn't want a party and she throws one anyway. And he's 25 and she's not even 20, although she'll be 20 in like a month. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's also this idea that he doesn't like her friends and doesn't want to hang out with them, which to be fair, David's her ex. And that would be weird to me too. Definitely. Yeah. Besides the whole Claire thing, like David is her ex-boyfriend. That is really weird. Yeah. I don't blame Ray for feeling uncomfortable if that's the reason. Yeah. I'm really curious what Claire and David ended up getting him for his birthday. I feel like this episode like just left so many open threads and that's such a small thing, but I'm like, what'd they get him? They don't even know him. (laughs) They got him guitar picks to go with his guitar. Probably. Or like a capo to put on or something like that. Or like a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you don't put a sticker on a Gibson. (laughs) I really hope they got him a sticker. Just one sticker. And they put it in a box and they wrapped it and they put a bow on it. <laughs> they thought they were so nice. It was just a little sticker. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, Claire has another moment in the other storyline where she kind of does the same thing with David. Where right. she's just like, these are my opinions. I'm giving them to you because I'm just going to say them. Right. And then, But I think what's helpful for Claire is, like, eventually we'll get to that part I guess but like she ends up practicing what she preaches too with David so that's at least a good thing she's not just like being a hypocrite about stuff yeah um I think the the only other thing about Donna that I wrote down was that she was like chicken parmesan is so easy and Claire was like yeah you put parmesan cheese on chicken and I was like that's not chicken parmesan that's that's not the same thing but it's okay you're trying (laughs) It was adorable. I'm just like, truly, I'm picturing like, yeah, when I was 20, what I thought was a really fancy dinner. Right. Exactly. Oh, I bet that chicken's so dry and the cake is going to be undercooked. (laughs) Hey, well, Donna was sitting there like licking the spoon, so icing probably tasted good. No, I'd eat that cake. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, do you have anything else before we talk about the story? Well, I guess the only thing with Kelly is, like, now she knows she's going to be on the cover. Oh, yeah. And what she thought was just going to be this little campus spread has now turned into an actual modeling thing. So I'm a little worried, if I'm honest. Oh, and let's also talk about Steve. Trying to be her manager? (laughs) Yeah. She calls him Steven. Steven. (laughs) Like, he won't stop, like, honestly, just kind of being a a prick this whole episode, and I I can't get over it. Like, 
he says at the very beginning when he's trying to be her manager, he's like, how much are you making? And she's like, why are you asking? And he was like, well, they picked you because you'll work cheap. Like, And she was like, how dare you? <laughs> as she should. And then he bails on Ray's party for loyalty to Griffin. Oh, that was awful. And then, yeah, she calls him a creep there, too. And I was like, yeah, very true. Because, like, yeah, I guess I'm not done talking about Donna. <laughs> Everyone else has really, honestly, pretty good reasons not to go. Like, Kelly is working. Andrea's at the protest. Brandon is student body president, although Donna says he won't go if you don't go. Like, right. no, I'm sorry. He's student body president dealing with protests on campus. Like, yeah, I don't know if in real life that's what you do, but in this scenario, that's what he has to deal with. Exactly. And then, yeah, David wants to go to the protest. Claire's going to go to support David. <laughs> I don't remember what they say about Dylan, but I was like, Dylan's in the hospital. How rude. Like, yeah, I, I didn't write it down, but Donald was like, Dylan so, so can't come. Or like something something to that effect where it's like, yeah, he really can't come. <laughs> <laughs> and then Val isn't invited. Right, of course. Because does, doesn't Kelly say that? Yeah. Uh, I, Donna is like, oh, do you think I should invite Val? And Kelly's That's like, right. not if you don't want him to steal your boyfriend. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, we need to see this feud, like, actually happen instead of just all this passive-aggressive behind-the-back shit. And I really want it to be, like, enemies to friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. Desperately. It's my favorite <laughs> trope. Well, enemies to lovers is my favorite trope, but I know they're not doing that. Well, that's the best trope. Let's be real. Um, okay, now I think for real, I am done talking about everybody else. Brandon has to do what I think is his second presidential thing. Decide whether or not to allow Reverend Roland Turner, a man who said a lot of questionable things regarding Jewish people, can give a talk on campus. Brandon's like, I'm a think about it. See y'all at two. The Brand or no, the Brandon. The student senators <laughs> insist that free speech is at stake and accuse Brandon of running away from the issue. Alex Diaz says Brandon won't have an opinion until he asks Daddy Chancellor what it should be, which rude. He might ask his real daddy, Jim, or the dean. Dean Whitmore wants to bring the student political parties together for a powwow, but there will be no administrative involvement until after the vote. Autonomous student government and all that. Too bad Diaz is pitting the parties against each other to show how little support Brandon has for the presidency because, oh yeah, they haven't actually decided to keep him yet. Kelly tells Brandon he has her support, and he's like, great, let's bang about it, but she reminds him he has to play more flag football today. He shows up after the end of the game, and without him, they did so bad. But is Brandon really that good? No, just the other team was. Brandon talks to Janice about the 25th anniversary of the Black Student Union. They're planning all sorts of events with a variety of guests, and though Janice agrees she wanted someone else to give this talk, Reverend Turner won the vote. That's how democracy works. Brandon says, let's move this one particular event to a venue off campus. Then he says, what if some neo-Nazis wanted to hold a rally here? Janice says, you're either down with the First Amendment or you're not. Dan Rubin's friend, Noah, who's in who's also in the Maccabee Center, finds Andrea in the library. He gets uncomfortably close to her and remains so as she explains that she is married with a child and trying to study. 
Noah asks if she's still friends with Brandon while she actively tries to exit the conversation and the library. Noah asks Andrea to talk to Brandon about Reverend Turner to potentially speak on campus and also watch this video. Andrea goes to see Brandon and asks him if he saw the part of the video where Reverend Turner says the Holocaust was fake. Brandon points out that Reverend Turner later apologized for saying that. Then he tells her that he already knows every, how everyone in the Senate will vote. He plans to abstain since his vote won't count anyway. Andrea says that he's only doing this so Janice Williams and Alex Diaz will drop their challenge to his presidency. Brandon yells. Andrea says she can't believe him. Deshaun finds Brandon in the gym and says he's suspicious of people who make money by telling poor people what to believe. Andrea collects signatures for a petition to stop Reverend Turner from speaking and tries to get David to sign. David said he hasn't had a hard time being Jewish because he hasn't made a big deal about it. Andrea makes David think a little harder about that, telling him it's easy to ignore things that aren't happening to you, but people need to fight for each other. Anyway, the media is here now. Alex says none of this would be happening if Brandon had called the vote yesterday. Brandon calls a meeting to order, but then sirens approach in the background because someone has called in a bomb threat, so the vote is canceled. And they think it might have been called in by a hate group. Sorry, that was a rough paragraph. Yes. <clears throat> Jesse says Andrea loves being all political. Jesse says his opinion is that there's a difference between free speech and hate speech, but other people are allowed to have their opinions too. Andrea says, yeah, but not Brandon because he abstained to not offend anyone, but instead alienated everyone. Jesse tells Andrea that she's dynamic, smart, beautiful, passionate, and a good mom, but she's just not a tolerant person. In Brandon's view, he worked really hard to reach a compromise, and Andrea talking on TV made him look like a fool because they're friends. Jim breaks it to Brandon that he's a white male and sucks. Brandon finds Andrea at school early. Andrea says she'd take back some of the things that she said on TV if she could, then apologizes to him as a friend. Brandon accepts as a friend. I don't know what that means. Andrea tells Brandon she's in over her head with what the Maccabee Center has planned for when the speech goes on as scheduled. Brandon suggests a meeting between Andrea and Janice. No sooner has Andrea agreed to it that they arrive at the Maccabee Center to find that he's been vandalized with a whole bunch of anti-Semitic shit. The protests continue with David in attendance. Andrea is no longer interested in talking with Janice. Andrea talks to Grandma Rose and promises she won't do anything dangerous at the demonstration. Grandma says there will always be ignorance and hate crimes and worse. Andrea says the men in her life don't understand how important this issue is to her. Grandma says maybe just listen to them too, though. If someone is too far gone in their hate, don't bother trying to reason with them. But if someone is first a man that seeks the good of his community and then also hateful, maybe reach out and see if he can change. She advises Andrea to see what the guy has to say. Brandon is rude to the press, covering the talk. Security barriers are placed around the entrance to the building, but Andrea and Grandma cross the barrier to listen to Reverend Turner speak. But he hasn't shown up yet, by the way. Janice tells them they're both welcome, but they have to sit with her. And then the episode ends with a vision of Brandon standing silently outside. Pondering. And we never hear anything. Presidentially. <laughs> 
I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things in this episode, and it feels like it was a little disjointed and there was some stuff in there that like good points, but then when you put it all together, does it really mean anything? You know? Yeah. I think what I struggled the most with is that it's such a hard topic, race Mm -hmm. in general. Um, because there, there's so many different viewpoints, there's so many different um, ideas for solutions, like, you know, whatever. What I didn't particularly, what I struggled with was the fact that it was two different, one is a race, one is more religion, and then they were pitted against each other. Like, I know, like, Jews are people, but, like, you know, founded, like, in religion. Yeah. If you're a black person, you're just born a black person. Like, it's it's not like you can just be someone different. Well, and they even kind of talk about that with the Judaism because, like, it's always been a big deal to Andrea. And, I mean, you know, growing up with Grandma Rose, like, you can absolutely tell. Like, Grandma Rose lived through the Holocaust. Like, she talks – about people that she lost like it was a Mm -hmm. big part of her life rightfully you know she's earned the right to this and like has come out on the other side of it you know with her faith and with her faith in humanity and you know so Andrea has always been raised in this very religious household and then David's just like well I mean it's just something I do like he even says he doesn't Mm -hmm. fast on Yom Kippur he doesn't eat matzah at Passover and then Andrea you know gives him that like pretty famous thing of like first they came for the Jews and I said nothing then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me right and so yeah it's just very it's it's murky and I think the problem is like people were trying to make it like a very black and white issue but it's a gray issue like Mm -hmm. this man did like he did have a very long hate speech he rails on like the Jews on Wall Street who own the bank, the media, the Congress, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I've never heard one Jew apologize for slavery. And so the Jewish students are like, well, he's an anti-Semite. And then the black students are like, oh, so you're racist now because we can't have this man. Right. It's like, there's a lot more in there. And then, yeah, we only see this one inflammatory speech and we're just told that he apologizes for it. Right. I think it would have landed better if we had seen the apology, for one. Um, But I guess I just struggled, too, because it's like, these are already two marginalized groups anyway. And so it's it's hard to recognize privilege in this scenario. Like, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, the show should have taken the easy way out and just done a white versus black situation, mm-hmm. like with with regards to racism, because that tends to be at least a little bit more, um, for lack of better words, like black and white, like um, cut and dry, I guess you could say, because you can talk about privilege. Um, I guess the, on the bright side, the end of the episode has the moment of grandma rose saying like hey sometimes in these scenarios you just need to listen Mm -hmm. you know like the best thing you can do is just shut your mouth sometimes right and just hear from the other person's perspective understand have some empathy you know like 
I, I guess the moral of the story, and and now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they did do a decent job of getting to the moral, which is empathy, right? Like instead of it escalating so quickly and just being like full force this one issue and full force the other issue, it could have been a comp like like things could have been accomplished if there had been a little bit more empathy here. Yeah, I mean, Grandma Rose is like full stop the hero of this episode. Like she is. Yeah probably the only one who I agree with like through this entire episode like the literally the first thing you see is she's coming over to help babysit and then is like throughout the rest of the episode she's like a voice of reason to speak to Andrea when like mm-hmm. Andrea is having trouble talking to her friends and talking to her husband and like you know gets really too far into this like the Maccabee Center group without fully realizing what exactly she's getting into yeah. But I mean, it's, I think my problem with this episode is like, yeah, you know, Grandma Rose is ready to be like, we need to listen to this man. We need to, you know, both sides need to come together and listen. But then we don't actually see any of that happen. Mm-hmm. It's just told to us that it happens. And I don't really have faith that we're going to see anything come of this. I mean, yeah. Even after Andrea like talks to Grandma Rose and then comes to campus the next day and apologizes to Brandon. And Brandon's like, well, you should talk to Janice. She already wants to do it. We don't see them talk. We don't. Right. We don't see how they come to the agreement to, like, have the Jewish students outside in a silent protest that is, like, a very visible silent protest and then still allow the, um, I think I wrote down, the Black Student Union chapter inside with their sponsored speech. And I actually, like, Googled it a little bit, and a lot of schools are allowing like controversial, I guess, speakers, but they're like, but they have to be student sponsored. Like, we're not just inviting pundits to school, they have to be student sponsored. And then, you know, they're even still shutting some down, but like, right. I don't well, know. Because I think at some point there was a line that's like, there's a difference between free speech and hate speech, right? So it's like a university, it doesn't behoove them to actively have somebody on their campus who's just going to spew hate speech right like it's one thing to have a different opinion it's another to just blatantly hate on people so yeah um, it's it's weird though because I was thinking about like I I wasn't at UGA long enough to remember ever seeing this but I remember at Kennesaw there was like this one little section on the green that was like the free speech section and so like hmm. that was where the like super religious like kind of frankly hateful people would come and they would say things and it was like as long as they're in this spot Mm -hmm. like they are protected by their freedom of speech and like you can be against it you can argue back with them you can you know say what you want in this space too but like this is where they're protected they're not in a student-sponsored space they're not in a university building they're just in this tiny little area yeah yeah still kind of wild it's I mean because it's so complicated it's so there's like I don't know how the show would have come up with an answer so yeah I'm I'm frustrated we didn't see one but like who knows what they could have even come up with I don't know that they would have been able to come up with one well and some of the solutions that they end up coming up with although we didn't see them were in my opinion good solutions right like you like you unfortunately like you said when we don't get to see Janice 
talking to Andrea to suggest the plan. Like that would have been a great scene. Like I would have loved to see that, but like, but at the end of the day, I'm still happy. It's like happening. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they ran out of time. This episode did feel like one of those two parters. And like, I did have to look forward or look ahead a little bit to see if this was a two parter and it's not, but it definitely felt like it could have been like, we just reached the part where we're going to start seeing some positivity here. And then it, cut off yeah and i like this episode this was so hard with having you know a 44 minute episode and especially when you're not going to make it a Mm two-parter is they felt like they needed to advance other plots on top of having this story of the week because yeah i mean we had the stuff with dylan we have the stuff with kelly we have the stuff with donna and then even because this talks about the student senate a lot we have brandon's like Mm -hmm challenge against his presidency I mean Alex has that whole thing of like you didn't think Walsh should have an opinion without checking with the chancellor first did you and then Brandon literally tries to go to the chancellor and chancellor's not there so he has to talk to Dean Mm -hmm. which I looked up this is a different Dean because this is Dean Whitmore last season it was Dean Trimble oh yeah I didn't even put it together and then when Mary said his name during the synopsis I was like then who is Dean Trimble? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I know schools, like, have multiple deans, but I feel like there's an overall dean. I, and that's what so I maybe, was maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I just had this whole moment while she was talking. I was like, no, Dean Trimble is a person. And I was expecting yeah. to, like, Google it and it'd be like, mm-hmm. this is the dean from Yale when Rory went to Yale or something like that. Like. I was fully expecting to be like wrong show, right show, wrong mm-hmm. Dean. I also think it's kind of funny, like, because you mentioned like Alex Diaz being like, well, yeah, Walsh has to get his opinion from somebody else. That's literally something we've said I know. so often. And like, I'm not trying to make light of any situation, but like, this makes me all of a sudden feel like, hold on, the writers do know what they're doing. Like, they know what they're doing, and we just discovered it and think we're clever. <laughs> right. I did really appreciate that he tries to go to the chancellor, who's not there, so they're like, okay, talk to the dean, and that he does go run over to talk to the dean, and then the dean is just like, well, I'm not going to do anything until the Senate does something. Like, this right. is your job. This is why you yep. ran for this job. Like, exactly. I have no, <laughs> I have no problem with Brandon going and asking for advice. I mean, we end sure. up finding out later that the dean is basically the perfect person to ask for advice. He's like, oh, yeah, I was the first – one of the first black students at UGA. I was a freedom writer. I went to, you know, the I have a dream speech in D.C. Like, this man has experienced adversity and, like, you know, fought for things he believes in in his life. It makes a lot of sense. For Brandon mm-hmm. to go to him. I just thought it was so pointed that Alex oh, yeah. was like, he's going to go to the chancellor. And then Brandon's like, makes a face and then literally goes to the chancellor. Yeah, he literally tells Alex he's a funny guy. And then just like does exactly what Alex said he was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, That was like, I think, one of two quotes that I thought were really interesting. Um. Because that the first one, yeah, because it's something we've always said. The second was we actually get Deshaun in this episode for like a second, which on the one hand, I'm like, sure, you're going to bring like one of the main, only main black people, like cast characters like in here. Sure. But 
what I thought was interesting was that he had kind of a different take than those that were in the black student council. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he basically says, like, I get suspicious of anyone who tells poor people what they want to hear at $10,000 a pop, right? It's like profiting off of people who um, just need to hear something. And, And I was like, you know what? That is an interesting take because it's not necessarily about what he's saying. It's the fact that he's making all this money to then just spew stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a almost a third take in this whole storyline. Yeah, I think the only like thing that kind of I don't know. So Deshaun says that, but then he tells Brandon not to let himself get dragged into it, and he'll drive himself crazy. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be like, but Deshaun, that's his job, like, right? I, I'm sorry that you're saying that, but that's his job. I wonder if he meant more of like, don't get personal about it. Like, cause you know, maybe he knew that, uh, his friends were involved too or something like Andrea is like basically all of a sudden weirdly become like the leader or at least the, um, what's the word I'm looking for. She's like the visual part of it. Right. The, yeah. The, um, like the face of it. Thank you. That's what it is. Uh, and then, and he's aware of all of his friends, right? So maybe he's saying it that way, but I agree. Like, it's like, yeah, hold on. That is his job. He has to get involved. He has to hear both sides. He has to get, like, really in the thick of this in order to make a decision. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, Deshaun seems very breezy to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He- when Brandon asked him to endorse them and Deshaun was like, I can't do that. Like I cannot be involved in politics and like only showed up when out the last time Alex Diaz was around playing a race card that wasn't his. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. I feel weird saying it that way, but like it does feel like Alex is just in this episode to sow discord and to cause problems for Brandon. And it's just like, but you're with like, what is it? uh, Estados Unidas or I think was what it's called. I like, don't remember, but it, it was, yeah. Yeah, he was with the Hispanic Student Union, and I mean, like, you can have a voice as well, but it just feels like he's just there to cause problems and not be a voice for a student union. Which, speaking of that, like- Latinos even, Unidos. That Latinos Unidos, yes. I don't know what I said. I think I said United States. You did. You did. <laughs> but I didn't- I caught it, but I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But no, to that point, when we see Andrea go to the Walsh house looking to talk to Brandon, she calls him a political animal because she thinks that, like, if he votes the way that he's going to vote, it's just going to wipe away the um, the whole legitimacy, like, legitimacy of his presidency thing. But in reality, I, I actually don't think Brandon even thought of that, like, because in his mind... There's nothing he can do to essentially remain president. Like, Alex has it in for him regardless, I think, or is is what I think Brandon thinks. Well, and he also makes the comment that he's going to abstain from the vote because his vote doesn't matter, mm-hmm. which then my only comment to that was, like, Brandon has clearly not seen 12 Angry Men. <laughs> True. And, like, I, I only mostly thought of that because every show does a 12 Angry Men. Like, mm-hmm. they all do it. So, like, if there was going to be a 12 Angry Men episode of 90210, it's going to be Brandon or Andrea. Oh, yeah. Good point. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she gets mad at him for not wanting to be in this boat and yeah, says like all of this stuff, which I think was literally to advance that plot. Like, I think you're right. right. I think that did not occur to Brandon at all. It just made that connection to then, you know, see, like, because up until this point, we haven't seen Brandon really be in the game of politics, just more the very surface level of politics, right? Like, you have an issue, you make a vote. You have somebody has a problem, you fix it. Like, very much in the policy of it, not in the politics of it, if that makes sense. Um, Well, and he even... He even, like, holds off on the vote. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he does not want to be in politics. He is against this every step of the way and, like, having to make a decision. You know, I think he says it later. He doesn't want to be the president that resided over the Civil War. Mm. It's like, then don't keep the job. I'm sorry, Brandon. Yeah, like, don't keep the job. Exactly. I mean, he even tells the dean he's, like, about to formulate his resignation letter. And he wasn't, like, legit serious about it, but he kind of was. And he's almost like, yeah, dude, just do it. I think Brandon's had a resignation letter ready to go, like, literally since day one. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's only doing this to, you know, because of Josh's memory. But, like, I swear every time something comes up, he pulls his same resignation letter out and, like, writes a new version with updated information. Like, this Mm -hmm. boy does not want this job. No. He doesn't. And I feel bad that he has a lot of guilt. He has a lot of pressure, probably from Jim. Like, I do feel bad for him because, like you said, he clearly doesn't want this job. But he, for whatever reason or many reasons, he feels like he has to. So I do feel bad for him. I mean, we'll see what happens with it, right? So. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, as a viewer, we know 90210 is like going to go there. But as somebody who Mm -hmm. ran for student body politics, like, you're not expecting someone to call in a bomb threat to like get around your, you know, voting on whether or not someone should be allowed on campus. Like totally. He is going through some stuff. Mhm. So there's one thing that I'm just curious about it because the quote itself didn't make a lot of sense to me. It, so yeah, I have no idea. Well, I think it's I'll be after. Interested. It's after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because after the bomb scare, because like right now, right around now is when Kelly is supposed to do her photo shoot. It all gets canceled. And this is I hate to say this, but as soon as I saw that one of the women she was talking to was a black woman, I was like, Mm -hmm. this person is also going to have an opinion on this bomb threat. She's not just there. Yeah, which I can't like decide in my head if let's just say, for example, in an alternate reality of this episode no like none of the black characters we know and love thus far were included would we have wanted them to be included you know what I mean no and I think that's fair I just like I I constantly go back to the idea that like they're only invited to a very special episode yes no 100% like that's where I was getting at it's like yeah yes we would have wanted them there in addition to all the other episodes (laughs) right like literally every time they put Deshaun on the screen I'm just like but give him more mm-hmm. yep like give let's him go- that relationship with Donna <laughs> let's go back to basketball yeah yeah let's even just, like, let's just watch a game Steve even brings up basketball he's like oh yeah my dad like we got our asses kicked at this football game now my dad's talking basketball and I was like good get Deshaun bring Deshaun back in 
If you can have Brandon be an honorary CAG member, surely you can bring Deshaun in. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if they did bring in ringers? Oh, would love it's, it. It's very Space Jam of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like later on, um, after after the rescheduled shoot, we find out about um, Andrea's been talking to Grandma Rose about the bomb scare. Um, there, there's something else I want to go back to there, too, with Jesse. But when Andrea's on the news and the Walshes are watching it, Brandon, like, walks out and is like, I can't hear this anymore. Jim ends up making a point where he says, you're a white male in a world where the power structure is becoming less male and less white by the day. And then Brandon says the times they are changing. I I personally could not tell if he was meaning something good or meaning something bad. Same. Because, like, the scene ends there, doesn't it? And goes over yeah, to Dylan. Does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like... I wrote the same thing down. I was like, Jim says that Brandon is not a fool. He's not a failure, but he is a white man in a world where the power structure is becoming less white and less male every day. And it's like, are you coming from a good place or are you being right. like, you can't win because you're a white man and other people are starting to like be heard for their opinions? I really could not tell. Yeah. No, I, I felt the same way. Like that makes me feel a little bit better because I was like, are you trying to tell me that Brandon's oppressed because he's a white man and there are other voices involved now? Because if so, screw you, Jim Walsh. But if not, and you're just trying to say you need to listen to more people or like just like like I can't even find a good point here. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is like a little bit of, you know, personal bias Mm-hmm. In my brain, too, that is just mm-hmm. like, you know, Jim is being like, sorry, fellow white man, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that everyone's against the white man. Mm. Like, I I looked through, you know, all of the different blogs that I read about these shows. I went on to YouTube and, like, tried to look for deleted scenes. I was desperate to find out that they cut a line or two or three that explain this a little bit better because I just don't get it. Yeah. No, I'm okay. Well, I feel better, but also worse. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, like I don't want to accuse Jim of being like, I don't know, like don't oppress the white man, but I also don't understand what the quote meant. So I would love to know if anybody out there knows what Jim Walsh meant by that, whether what the right, really what the writers meant by that. Cause I just, I, it confused me so much. I literally wrote dot, 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 help. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before that, so like going back just a little bit, um, when Andrea was talking to grandma, gr- ugh, can't even say grandma. When Andrea was talking to grandma Rose about the bomb scare, Jesse starts like telling Andrea that she thrives on controversy, right? It's like she loves the drama. She loves the politics. And that's when he says there's a difference in free speech and hate speech, which true. Um, but then he says, like, but also people are allowed to have other opinions than you. Um, and Andre is mad because he, she says that Brandon abstained from the vote because he didn't want to offend anyone, but then instead alienated everybody. And then Jesse ends up saying what I did not necessarily realize to be true, but now know to be true is that Andrea is not a very tolerant person. And I was just like, wow, that was like a glass shattering moment for me. Same. I was like a little nervous while this argument was happening because of like they've already been having problems with like not seeing eye to eye. And then 
telling someone who is not a tolerant person that they're not a tolerant person when she's already like really worked up about something. I expected this to go into a full-blown fight. And I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but Jesse's right. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting how many times in recent history we've just seen Andrea be wrong. And it feels uncomfortable a little bit because we've always known Andrea to be more of a voice of reason, more of a logical thinker, um, kind of (laughs) the mother of the group, like (laughs) things like that. And now it's like, oh, she's getting knocked down a few pegs, like not only by Brandon, by Jesse, by Grandma Rose, by everybody. And but not for like ridiculous reasons. It's for like actual good reasons. And I'm like, whoa, what are they about to do to Andrea? What are they about to do? Right. It's like, which spoiler alert, I know what happens. So I won't say anything further. Yeah. I mean, I've like I've looked at IMDb. I've seen, you know, episode counts. So mm-hmm. I have a small idea of what's right. going to happen. Um, but, I mean, it really does make her think because this is when, like, she runs into Brandon the next day and, you know, he has the whole conversation with her of, like, oh, you should talk to Janice. Mm-hmm. She wants to talk to you. But then they show up at the Interfaith Center and it has just been covered in swastikas. And, like, it's it's literally an attack on the Maccabee Center. Mm-hmm. But then we, you know, I think we cut forward a little bit because they're like, you know, holding a rally or like a speech or something in front of the center. And Brandon is talking to the dean and he's like, they don't want to paint it over. They'll paint it over tomorrow. And the dean's like, well, I don't understand why they'd want to keep it up. And Brandon's just like, so people can see what's happening. Like, it just felt weird to me that Brandon has to explain that to this man who has said like, yeah, I was a freedom rider. I was one of the first black students at UGA. Like, <sighs> yeah. At first, I was even a little confused by the fact that there was an argument um, to keep or to remove. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, 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 I see now. I see what's going on. But also, yeah, like it was just interesting. It would have been, I think, maybe better if Andrea were talking to the dean. I think so. Yeah. Or, yeah, maybe, like, Brandon and the Dean coming up and Brandon being, like, they don't want it covered up. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I haven't been able to make any headway with them. And the Dean being, like, well, I'm just going to go tell them because I'm the Dean. This is my university. Like, it's, like, property that I'm in charge of. I can make this happen. And then they go to Andrea and she says, you don't understand. We want this up so that people can see what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And then even here, there's another time where Janice tries to talk to her and is like, hey, I wrote up this statement, which they already released. I feel like she should have shown Andrea before they released it. And Andrea is even like being a little intolerant and being like, I don't have time to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. She literally blamed Janice for all of the people that painted on the building is causing all this hate. Like, I think she basically called Janice a bringer of hate. And I was like, whoa, talk about bringer of hate, girl. Listen to yourself. Yeah. Holy moly. Well, well, and, you know, the next scene we see with them is them, you know, having Shabbos. And then Andre and Grandma Rose go into the next room and Grandma Rose is like, you're fighting with everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not the right way to go about this. And, like – once again, Grandma Rose just, like, 
coming in clutch. I also just have to point out that, like, Jesse did the Jewish faith ceremony. And it was not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking, so with Shabbos with the Day of Rest, like, depending on how, like, orthodox of a Jew you are, you're not supposed to do work. It's the day of rest. Mm. You do not work. And that literally includes, like, turning on and off lights. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, like, that's, like, very orthodox, but you have to get a non-Jewish person to, like, come over and turn your lights on and off and, like, bring you food that doesn't need to be refrigerated because you're not allowed to, like, use a refrigerator and cook for yourself. Like, it is, it is, like, the day of rest. And so I was just, like, it's really good that Jesse's there. Yeah. Like, you're welcome, everyone. She married the goy for you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't – yeah, I did not know that. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, that is that is very orthodox. Like, I don't think they would get to that level with Andrea, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, it's, it's a joke that Jews who marry non-Jews like to say every now and then, I've heard. Oh, man. I guess at least, like, on the bright side, Grandma Rose finally gets to Andrea here. Um, this is, you know, like we talked about, she gets her to try to listen to Mr. Turner to see if he really is racist – or Dr. Turner. Reverend Turner. Reverend Turner. Reverend Turner. Definitely Reverend. My yeah, my bad. Um, to see if he really is racist, like, you know, like, listen to his heart. And if he really is, then it's like, yeah, then screw that guy. But if he's not, then that's an opportunity. Um, and, yeah, we talked about the last bit as well um I, w- I will say I thought, it was, I thought it was very interesting that like they're having this amazing heart to heart and then the way they chose to end the scene was Jesse being like I'm very lonely out here <laughs> yeah. yeah which felt on brand for Jesse so that's fun but yeah I was like mm, they did not know how to segue <laughs> I, I really wanted Grandma Rose to be like I'm sorry we're busy solving anti-semitism in here right like, oh my gosh excuse me Jesse we're you can busy be lonely you have your daughter with you you're fine yeah you got little baby Hannah yeah oh man and then like we get to the last scene at the um at the um uh, I don't know what 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 building did they have this in I don't know. I was more shocked by the signage. I was like, man, yeah. they like they were really excited for this man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they get there and Brandon says something that I'm like, ooh, that did not age well. Um, yeah. I yelled. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I think I made an audible like, oh no. <laughs> like, it, and the thing is, like this show keeps kind of doing this. Like, mm-hmm. have you noticed that they are kind of, like, predicting the future? It's like how everyone said, like, the Simpsons did it the first. Simpsons. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah. You know, he was making all those comments of, like, oh, I can't wait to meet Bill Clinton. And then, like, like a month after that episode aired, it came out that Bill Clinton was having a scandal. And then yeah. now he's just, like, next time you should invite Bill Cosby. And then, like, 20 years later, that's not a good answer. Not the guy you want at a college. No. Or anywhere. Not – anywhere yeah that was i was like ooh, cringe um yeah but to end on a positive note like at least at this point like rose and andrea want to go inside and janice is very sweet about it she's like uh yeah only on one condition and kind of fakes like anger and she's like you have to sit by me like that's so what's the word i'm looking for um it's very generous of her and it's very sweet of her um, to 
ignore how awful, quite frankly, uh, Andrea was to her to be like, yeah, you want to, the door's always open if you want to learn more. Like it, the door's, I am going to be the kind of person that wants you to learn about like my culture and what I'm about. And I will do, I'll give you the same courtesy, courteous. That was the word I was looking for. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was just, that was nice. I liked the way that that ended. I just wasn't sure why, like how the episode got to the ending it actually got to. (laughs) Yeah. And then I thought it was very interesting when like Andrea and Rose first get there and she's like, oh yeah, we're going inside. And Noah's like, yeah, they can't stop you if you go in with your grandma. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, Noah. Uh, yeah, he was just – He was pushy, and, like, when he said mm-hmm. he knew Dan Rubin, I was like, oh, like, we're really not supposed to like you. Wrong yeah, way in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the wrong name drop there, buddy. He yeah. was just so much. He was a he lot. Was so much. Like, he was too much at the student uh, – senate hearing he was way too pushy with andre like she clearly did not want to talk to him and he was just like shoving a vhs tape in her hands Mm -hmm. and then when they've agreed to do this like candlelight silent protest he's just like yeah run in there with your grandmother yeah he was too much yeah i feel like i feel like that was probably something they did intentionally of making the people outside of like janice and andrea too much because um when I think it was when Andrea was like on the news before they actually showed us on the news, like where she was being filmed, like two other students that like never get names, we never see them again. They just run in and call her a racist and a bitch. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they had to show the extremes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it it ends with you know them going in and learning, and I have to assume that after the speech you know, Andrea and her grandmother go with Janice to talk to this man and, you know, learn he really feels sorry for the things that he said and he's grown and everyone gets better. And then I guess Brandon just, like, gets to keep existing as an abstainer. Yeah. I I just don't have an opinion. (laughs) I don't really know what the point of, like, Brandon and all of this was. Yeah. I mean, I think it just all came back to they had to tie it to his presidency and Mm – he had to be the like go between the liaison between the two groups. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I guess he proved that he can kind of mediate discussions even though yeah. we didn't see them happen. We didn't see them happen, but they were implied. <laughs> Man, I bet off Screensville is such an interesting place. Oh, it totally For real. Is. Like it's just implied resolution for this whole plot line. Mm-hmm. And like I said at the beginning, like this is a really hard thing where I don't know that you would have been able to write a good answer for this, but like yeah. implied resolution kind of just makes me feel like left unfinished. It makes me wonder like legitimately, and again, we've talked about this before, like I don't know how much they film and then leave on the cutting room floor, but if they do that, you would imagine this episode had a lot they had to cut out. I And they still managed to fit so much in exactly that's why i think it ended so abruptly because i think they just ran out of time i'd buy it um maybe the moral of the story is in real life there is no real resolution and that life just fucking moves on i mean i'm for it it does i'm i'm for that um 
yeah, I I think I'm done talking about <laughs> most everything. I'm just like there were some things that happened in this episode that I never really like had a good way to fit them in. Like when uh, Brandon asked Kelly to go back to her apartment to play a game of slap and tickle. Yeah. So that's a great segue because I did not have a quote of the week. I had a bad quote of the week and I have two of them and that's one of them. <laughs> I have oh. anti quotes of the week this week. Yes. Anti quotes of the week. Perfect. Cause that was one of them. Hold do, on. You, do you guys have a guess for the other one? I'm trying to find the other one that I had in my notes. You can bang my gavel anytime. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they were both sexual and they both involved Brandon and Kelly. And I said, ew, both times. But I'm like, what the heck is slap and tickle? <laughs> I don't want to know. Ew. I don't want to know. But yeah, like I didn't even write that Kelly wrote it. I just wrote in quotes, you can bang my gavel anytime and then ew yeah same literally same same um (laughs) i have a couple of gems from student senate just that set the tone for the experience that this whole episode was going to be um i refuse to be called a racist janice and who made you the head of the thought police (laughs) yeah And that was just like an unnamed random dude on neither side just yelling. (laughs) I like it kind of seems like you can just show up to student stuff and just like get Mm -hmm. into it. Like Andrea ends up on the board of the Maccabee Center in a day. Yeah. She didn't just run. Like she just shows up and they're like, you're in. She made some major moves. She made some major moves. <laughs> I swear. She went in and was just like, oh, my God, you're doing this wrong. And then they were just like, oh, my God, do it for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, she is a take charge person. Very much so. Um, I mean, I guess we didn't really touch on the David stuff just because, like, it kind of, you know, it was very tangential. It was very, like, David becoming aware of himself. Mm-hmm. He makes the comments of, like, I'm not Jewish. I'm just David. And then Clary have been saying, like, I don't think of you as Jewish. I think of you as David. Which, like, I thought actually that to me was a very interesting little plot line because um, at least for the last probably, I don't know, like year, year and a half, there's been a lot of talk about, well, yeah, you might not be racist, but are you anti-racist? And, you know, the whole not racist is, well, I don't think of this person as black or Jewish or whatever, but the anti-racist is, no, Jewish, like your Jewish faith is part of who you are. You wouldn't be without your Jewish faith. And like being a black person and, and, and existing in black culture is part of you. So you can't just ignore it and quote unquote, not see color or whatever. So I, I actually like really enjoyed the fact that David heard that and didn't get mad but he was just like wait a minute that is part of me and just because I'm not a practicing or an orthodox Jew perhaps maybe I should at least like get more educated about it right yeah I really sorry (laughs) go ahead um I really liked the question that that scene between David and Claire raised because I don't like her just being like, I don't think of you as being Jewish, but then Mm -hmm. I don't think of you as being anything in particular. But then Claire going on to ask, is that an important part of your identity that I should recognize? 
in mm-hmm. you. And David's like, well, I don't know yet, but I'm going to find out, I guess. Yeah. It's it's kind of jarring how different David is with Claire versus how he was with Donna and how Donna and Ray's relationship is going right now. Where like mm-hmm. Donna is clearly not listening to him, throwing him a party when he says he doesn't want one, you know, buying him lavish gifts that make him uncomfortable. And then like Claire and David, David just like he's listening to rap music and then Kelly calls Donna Bubby and he's just like, Bubby, that's Yiddish. And like gets mm-hmm. real introspective, like kind of like on a dime. Like I don't know that Claire knows that he has any opinions. And then he just asked her that question and she's just like, yeah, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was – that was probably the – like I know we didn't even really touch on it much, but that was probably the best part of the episode. Yeah. And the fact that Claire went to bat for him and was like, hey, this is why we're not going to be at the dinner, like, because this is really important to David. And it wasn't even just David saying it. It was like Claire being like, recognizing that it was important to him. And maybe he didn't feel comfortable talking to Donna about it, but Claire did. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, it is fascinating to me. Claire. Just in general, Claire is fascinating to me. And like, I love her. Yeah, she. I mean, she's human. She makes mistakes. She's still young, but, like, she is very interesting. Right? Like, now I feel bad about all of my, like, hopes and prayers that she was doing all of this to just, like, get back at them with Lulu. Oh, yeah. Where I'm like, no, she's a sweet person and I love her. Mm-hmm. But that still makes me wonder, like, what did she and Lulu talk about and what happened? Yeah, very true. I bet that was a really interesting brunch. I would have loved to be a fly on that wall. Right? I want to be at that brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I've gotten us completely off topic and we've already talked about anti-quotes of the week, do we have anything else or do we want to, like, say what happens next week? Um, I have an anti-moment of the week. Oh, yes. Yes. Brandon thinking Marcus Garvey was a basketball player. Okay. That was very interesting to me because, like, yeah, she makes this comment of, like, yeah, I wanted Anita Hill and then, you know, mentions all these other people, throws out Marcus Garvey, which is, yeah, like, the least, I guess, publicly known. I didn't know who that was. I Googled him. And then she's like, do you know who that is? And Brandon's like, oh, wasn't he a basketball player? And she's like, haha, you're funny. But then they're never like, but really, do you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah, Brandon's like, oh, he's tall, right? Yeah, I was like, that's that's actually very political of Brandon and, like, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I think he just didn't want to sound like an idiot. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Can't believe we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very interesting that – uh, Janice wanted Anita Hill to be their speaker and then was like, but I got outvoted, so I went along with what everybody else said. Because that's what democracy looks like, is when the majority wins. Yeah, it's like, that, that's mm-hmm. what happens when you vote, Brandon. At least you yeah, can exactly. say, like, we held the vote. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, we've established that next week is not a continuation of this week. But what is it? Yep, so next week is uh, Season 5, Episode 12, Rock of Ages. And this one is one of the ones that is not streaming anywhere. Oh, it's not? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I looked on Paramount and it wasn't because I ended up ordering the, like, ultimate collection that comes with BH90210. 
Oh, nice. So in like three that. years, I'm ready. Well, we should watch that in person. I think that'd be fun. Oh, that would yes. be so fun. Because <laughs> it's very short, right? So. Yeah. Let's binge it together and just make one long episode. <laughs> oh I mean, gosh. honestly, it's only what, like, it's probably only like nine or I think ten. maybe ten. Yeah, episodes. So we could probably do it. Oh, slumber party and a four-hour mega episode at the end? Yes. Heck yeah. <sighs> oh, well, you can find that in like 2024. <laughs> but until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. And you can shoot us over some emails about all your different thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. Um, especially just like would love to hear your opinions on this episode as it was such a um, – you know, just a, a, an intense episode. Um, so really would love your feedback. And you can do that at back to podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, share, subscribe, you know, all the different things that you can do in there. Uh, all that kind of stuff really helps us get seen. It helps us build our community, which then people give us more feedback. We learn more about the show. It's just good times all around. To hit us up help us out so from all of us at back to podcast i'm the dean from season four i'm iris mckay's desires for a room with a four in it and i'm brandon saying stevie in a loving voice bye bye see ya <laughs>